This last week, we started a sermon series called Making Change. And I'm going to make some change in 2022, uh, both maybe for your pocketbook as well as your soul, right? And what I mentioned last week is that um, year after year, reports show that the number one cause of stress in the lives of Americans is money and possessions. In fact, in 2021, 74% of Americans said that finances were the most stressful part of their life. And so it's no wonder that Scripture speaks more to money and possessions than any other issue. In some ways, many of the key issues combined. Because God cares about what you care about. God cares about what stresses you out. And I believe God wants to set us free. You know, last week um, I talked about laying a foundation of trusting God. And to build on that foundation this week, you know, I believe that maybe one of the main reasons that we find stress in the area of money is that even though God has given us an incredible blueprint for the area of finances, we often fail to either look at the blueprint or we fail to internalize and apply what the blueprint says. Now, how many of you know if you're building something and you fail to look at the blueprint, facing get a little goofy, right? I got a few pictures to help us see that. Um, <clears throat> Here's uh, someone that I, I don't know what they were thinking with the HVAC system, but uh, there, there might have been a failure to look at a blueprint, or they maybe just didn't care. Uh, I like, the, I like the, the railing. It's just cut. Um, got another, a few other pictures. Had some fun here. This, uh, you know, you could maximize maybe someone on the other side of the wall at the same time trying to two for one the toilet, although you cannot lift the lid. So it's a good time. Now this, if you uh, are having a bad day with the kids, the kid can take a little extra bonus ride down. Uh, I don't know where that goes, and I don't know what anyone was thinking. Uh, and don't worry, we love kids here in this church. Now I'll talk about a blueprint fail uh, they maybe glanced at the blueprint but failed to look too closely to apply the blueprint. Obviously, you know, that water goes down with gravity, not up over a ledge to go into a drain. So real close, but I think the blueprint was showing that it's supposed to go down, not up. Okay, I got one more fun one. If you want a good time, just turn the faucet, right? Uh, <laughs> So I don't know where blueprints were in all this, but if there were blueprints, I would go to say that maybe some people were not paying close attention to those blueprints, right? And like I said, I've got good news for you. God has given us an incredible blueprint of timeless truths throughout scripture that would be reinforced by many financial advisors, the counsel of people today in the secular world is really based off of the timeless wisdom of scriptures in so many ways because God's word works. 
And so I believe today God wants to speak to us from his blueprint in the area of finances. And if we will be willing to hear what God has to say, I believe there's some truths today from God's blueprint that could transform the trajectory of your finances and bring you incredible freedom in this area in 2022. Um, So I will warn you that God's ways are higher than our ways, right? And you know, I mean, God might be a little wiser than me, which means that sometimes his ways are not what I would think are best. And this would be one that, remember the first time I heard some of these truths, I was like, what? This is a crazy idea. But it will set us free. And actually, I believe God wants to invite us in incredible purpose today. And we're going to talk about the concept of stewardship. So I want to invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus is giving a teaching, which is often called the parable of the talents. If you've been around the church, you grew up in church, you might be familiar with this text, the parable of the talents. And so uh, I'm going to go ahead, starting at verse 14. It says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and trusted them, to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. <clears throat> he who had received the five talents went at once and traded them. And he made five talents more. And so he who also had the two talents made two talents more. But he who received one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled the accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more. Saying, Master, you've delivered me five talents here, and I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he who also had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents here, and I made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little, and I'll set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He who also received one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But the master replied to him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I had not sown and where I gathered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And my coming, I would have received what was my own with interest. So I take the talent from him and give it to his ten talents. For everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast a worthless servant into the outer darkness. That place will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, quite the text, quite the story, probably raises a number of questions. Now, one key thing to understand about this text We often interpret talents as actual talents, like a gift we have. And while that's actually a valid application of the text, it's important to note that talents in this context are actually a measurement of money. Scholars believe that a talent was at least um, $1,200, if not much more. Um, In fact, um, one commentator said that a, a talent... Uh, would take a day laborer many years to earn. So it's possible that talent was quite a bit of money. Okay, so we, this, this, this parable 
is actually, uh, although it has a broad application, is also talking specifically about money. And so I have a few truths I want us to grasp from this text that if we will apply them to the blueprint of our financial house, well, I believe not only give us a lot of strength and stability, but also can set us free and invite us into an incredible purpose. And number one truth is that everything we have is God's. Everything we have is God's. And this isn't just a theme that we see right here in uh, Matthew 25. This is something we see throughout Scripture. For example, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 14. Behold, to the Lord your God belong heaven and the heaven of heavens and earth and all that is in it. Psalm chapter 50, verse 10 through 11. For every animal of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird in the mountains and the insects of the field are mine. <clears throat> now, we as a culture, this is hard for us because we love to own stuff, right? We love to have something nice and be like, yep, that's actually, that's mine. Yep. <laughs> uh, I, I feel partial because, you know, I have an incredible wife. And I always say, hey, that, that's my wife. You know, she's awesome. She's beautiful. She's amazing, right? Or, or we get the car we want. We're like, yep, mm-hmm, yep, yep, this is mine, right? This is something that feels better when we feel like we own something. So we might own things, but we don't ultimately own things. Let me kind of help us understand this concept by playing this out a little bit. <clears throat> Right, because there's nothing wrong with owning something. And in fact, owning something can be actually financially wise, but we don't ultimately own it. So, for example, my kids—they're my kids, but they're not ultimately my kids. Ultimately, God is giving me some of His kids to be the key participant with Him in raising up to be healthy, mature, Jesus-loving, world-changing adults. And I get to be a part of fostering and stewarding it, but ultimately, they're not mine. Ultimately, I'm just stewarding who God's given me, right? <clears throat> who are his. It's not my house, although it might be our house. It's ultimately his house. I'm stewarding a house for his glory and to create a space where people can come be impacted. Our house might actually exist after I die, right? It's just we're temporarily having a house to steward what God is doing, right? Or how about the church? This one definitely isn't my church. I mean, it's my church in the sense that I'm a member, and hopefully you feel like this is your church, and there's a sense of ownership, right? This isn't the pastor's church. This is Jesus' church. And so I am just stewarding Jesus' church as one of the leaders and participants in what God is doing. <clears throat> you see that if we try and make everything ultimately ours, it gets a little screwed up. If I treat my kids like they're ultimately mine, we're going to have a screwed up relationship. If I treat this church and you like you're mine, I don't need to say a whole lot more, right? <clears throat> like that's where church gets weird, <laughs> Right? 
you know, ultimately we see this theme all the way come to our own lives. Even we are not our own. Psalm 100, verse three. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we're his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Romans 14, eight, I love it. It says, whether we live or die is for the glory of the Lord. First Corinthians chapter six says, we're not our own. In fact, Jesus bought us with a price. So therefore we're to honor God in our body. We're not even our own. We are the Lord's and same with money. Everything we have, everything we own, it's okay to own stuff, but ultimately it's not ours, it's his. Now, this truth might feel a little scary if you're like me. So I remember the first time, this took a while to wrap my head around. And even in preparing this message, I was like, Lord, where have I not had this perspective? I found myself repenting this week of, Lord, I've tried to make things mine at times. But if we catch this, I believe it sets us free. You see, what happens when we start to let God have his ownership of our stuff? It facilitates a relationship with him. You see, all of a sudden, instead of being entitled to things, we start to have gratitude for things. With the smallest amount of food, we realize was given to us as a gift. God, thank you for this daily provision. Instead of, God, I don't like this food, but I don't know why Thank you. God, you gave me one of your cars. God, you gave me a roof over my head. Holy cow. Thank you, God. All of a sudden, the smallest things become spaces of gratitude. We realize it's not ours. And the places of need all of a sudden stop becoming places of bitterness because we don't own what we want to own, but they become places of dependency. Father, I have a need, and you own all things so I know what you can do. And what happens, we find peace in our heart because it sets us free from the illusion that we are the ultimate controllers of our lives and our provision. You might be a good person, but you're not a good God. Money is good. It's not bad. But it's not a good God. And many of us have lived long enough to know that when we put our hope in money, it not only doesn't satisfy, it often ends up crushing us. Like I said last week, 50% of millionaires are extremely stressed about money, statistics say. So having more of it is not the solution. Owning stuff is not the solution. It's giving ownership to God that is the solution. And it starts to set us free. Truth number number two is that we're entrusted as stewards of God's stuff. And this is is an incredible truth because this is where partnership comes in. Not only does he want to give us peace and gratitude, but he has a vision of money that is so much higher than us just being stressed out month after month, or being jealous or frustrated or bitter. God has an eternal purpose for the smallest amounts of money that can be transformative. Verse 14 in our text says that he entrusted money to them. He entrusted talents to them. Now that word entrusted in the, in the Greek, that word he uses there is to give over into one's power of use. 
That word in the Webster's would be defined as assign the responsibility for doing something to someone else. So let me say it like this. God is the owner, but you're the manager. Now that's an important distinction. So it's not like we go from I'm the owner and I'm the manager to it's all God's <laughs> and I don't need to kind of think about it. No, God's the owner, but he's made you the manager of it, of his stuff. And he's entrusted you to be wise with it. You know, let me just pause for a second. What an incredible God we have. God is writing this eternal story and he's got all these resources to be a part of doing it with. And then he could have just like drug us along, but instead he's saying, no, no, I'm gonna give you my stuff and I'm gonna trust you with my stuff and I'm gonna raise you up to be mature people who bring eternal glory with my stuff and partner with me in changing lives around the world with my stuff. Like, that's amazing. What God is extremely generous. Maybe to help, to help us understand this, um, you know, as our kids get older, we're entrusting them with more. Um, and so we're not telling them everything they need to do to get ready for school. We have a list with just, here's the things you need to do. You move the thing from this box to this box. And when you move all the things over to the boxes, then you're ready. And so as we're getting older, we're saying, hey, we're not going to keep warning you what time it is. We're not going to keep telling you, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? Because we want you to grow into future adults, right? Who can think for themselves and figure out how do you want to use your time? Oh, you want to play with the bunny and get ready for school? Then you can be wise with your time and see if you can make time for both of those. Now, I'm amazed at how distraction comes in, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like, we'll be five minutes out and we'll be taking out a box of toys and there's five things on the list that are not done yet, right? <laughs> and so we are kind of, they're kids, so we are stepping in and kind of encourage them, help them down. But our goal is not to micromanage and tell them what to do at every step of the way. And that's what God wants for you. Now, Scripture's filled with wisdom but he's not gonna give you some word from the Lord for every dollar of your budget. You need to think, what kind of impact do I wanna make in the world? What kind of uh, relationship with God and others do I want? Where is God calling me to sow? And what are wise ways to build my financial life? And who's wise around me so I can maximize God's stuff for the glory of God? And he's not going to micromanage you. And you know, the beautiful thing is when, I, when, I, when we do that with our kids, something in them rises up. Oh, I'm responsible. You believe in me. You believe I can do this. And that's the beat of God. He's actually calling you up to be responsible and entrusting you. He's not going to baby you. He's not going to tell you what to do. He's calling something up in you that you can do this with his stuff, and he's trusting you with his stuff for eternal glory. Now, what were they to do with his stuff? They were to invest his stuff to make more of a harvest, to grow it, right? Y'all track with me? Does that mean, oh, we all need to get in the stock market and Bitcoin and high-yield investments, right? It's not necessarily 
saying that, although that could be a part of it. What this is talking about on investment is talking about investing into the kingdom of God and advancing and growing the kingdom of God. So he's saying we can use our money and investments to grow and advance God's kingdom. I love what author Randy Alcorn said. He said this, what you do with your resources in this life is your autobiography. So what does this mean to invest? It means that, uh, does it mean that I need to sell everything and give it to the homeless and be homeless, <laughs> right? No, no, no. It means that whatever you have, we're not just thinking about ourselves, it means that when God feeds you, you eat and drink to the glory of God because he realizes it's a gift. And you're accruing the glory of God and advancing the kingdom by giving him worship in, your, in the simple things of food, right? Or when you have a home, instead of just thinking, here's everything I want for the home, you think, why did God give me this home or this place I'm renting or this apartment? And how could we leverage this resource for the glory of God and create a space where people can come and sit in this couch and cry and get blessed and prayed over and give their life to Jesus or whatever, right? Or um, when you have a car saying, oh, why did you give me this car, right? Now, I haven't perfected this, but when I was in college, my car smelled because I kept just picking people up on the side of the road and giving them rides. And it like offended me. It was like a big death. I take pride in my cars, right? And it, it was like, oh, it like did this thing in me, but it made me realize, oh, this isn't my own. This is God's car. That doesn't mean I don't care for it and want a good smell in it, right? Um, but ultimately, God, why did you give me this? And for what, for what purpose? So, um, it is his, and what that means then, this brings me to my third point, we have a, a healthy sense of responsibility that comes with stewarding his stuff for his glory. We don't want to just drive it like it's stolen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Y'all live? All right. Um, <laughs> so number three that we draw from this text, we need to learn responsibility in the skills of handling money because it's his, right? So in verse 16, what did they do when they got the money? They immediately went at once and traded money to grow money and make more. Now that takes a level of skill, right? Apparently, the guy who had one talent was like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> or I'm really nervous about doing that, right? And this takes skill and an attention to detail on how we handle our money. We need to pay attention to what God has said in his word about how we're to handle money. But the reality is most of us, we kind of hear a few scriptures about money over the years and wing it. Now, I was reminded when I was preparing this message of time I did that in life, and it didn't turn out well, so I thought you might enjoy this. Uh, a number of years ago, I was on a mission trip to a third world country, and I thought it'd be a great idea to go, to go parasailing, right? So if you know what parasailing is, this parasailing, you're behind a boat, 
that's probably about how high we were, you know, maybe it went downhill from the moment it'd be good to just the thought, it would be good to go parasailing in a third world country. Maybe that was the, the, the first thought that didn't go well. But so they don't really like train you. They just like, this guy pulls you aside and tells you like two things real quick as you're getting strapped in. And I thought, oh, I've actually done something like this before. And if he's not making a deal of the training, it's not a big deal. So to me, it was like Charlie Brown's teacher, you know? It, or, and, wah, wah, wah. and I'm like, this guy's telling me I'm getting strapped in. I'm not paying attention. So I get up there. It's great. We're over one of the seats. It was awesome. And it's time to come back down. And the guy is running along the beach, like screaming, you know, like the guy who's running it, screaming. And I'm like, what is he saying? I'm up there with my buddy. I was like, what is he saying? And he's trying to get me to do something. And I think I'm doing, but apparently I'm doing the wrong direction. So I'm supposed to go out over the water and, and I'm now going over the beach. And so we're coming in for a landing. And this is like tons of people on the beach. And so I'm coming in with my buddy, this guy is running along ahead of us, busting down sandcastles. <laughs> Literally, as we're coming, he's taking people's kids and throwing them out of the way. <laughs> like kids are flying, canned sandcastles are blowing up. We come in for a crash landing, like running into people on the beach, like knocking over people's stuff, right? It got crazy. What happened? I failed to pay attention to detail. <laughs> I failed to learn a couple, like two skills that if I would have applied those skills, it would not have resulted in carnage on the beach, right? <clears throat> now, there are a few truths about money in God's kingdom that if we will learn like literally a few skills and apply them month after month and year after year diligently and faithfully, you can avoid a lot of carnage in your life. Amen? That's a word for some of us today, right? And as I, as I share, I know it's, it's not the kind of mental assent to it. It's the application of simple truths because ultimately our life is a summation of a handful of disciplines we do. Our, you want to know where you're going to end up in the future? Look at your disciplines or lack of disciplines, okay? So it's important that we address and understand God's truths and, and mindsets. I want to start by helping us understand a few bad mindsets about money. One is money is bad, asceticism, right? Now, this is a concept that, that money, uh, right, and, and my needs uh, and practical needs, they're bad. And, it, and it's not good to have needs. Maybe we grew up in a family where we feel like our needs were not important and we're minimized because we just had to keep the whole going or whatever, uh, what this leads to is dualism, that spiritual things are good and my humanity is bad. You see, money is not evil or the root of all evil. The love of money, Scripture says, is the root of all evil. That doesn't mean that money is bad or having money is bad or even having a lot of money is bad. Some of you are called to be five, ten talent people for the glory of God. So having money, or money itself is not bad, it's the love of money, right? So this brings up the question, should I feel bad about having some nice things or getting something I enjoy? Let me remind you that God is a father. 
I'm not sitting over my kid's shoulder when they're eating their favorite food. Like, you know, you could have given that to someone else. There's some people that don't have that around the world. And so therefore, you're gonna get cardboard food from now on, right? I'm not sitting at Christmas like, we're giving all our toys away. Now we did give a portion of our stuff away and our toys away to people who need it. But I'm not sitting there like the Grinch, like I can't wait to give them coal because they're just selfish jerks and all they want is toys. No, like that's silly, right? I love seeing my kids delighted and I love providing for my kids. And God is a father. And so money's not bad. Your desires aren't bad. Having stuff isn't bad. It's the love of money that's bad, which is the second bad perspective. That money is everything or greed is the second bad perspective. It's when we find our identity and security in money and possessions. And so you can be greedy and not have much money. We think greedy of people that just, you know, they're driving two Bentleys around. <clears throat> you cannot have money and be greedy. So what happens when we're greedy is it chokes our soul. Well, we put our identity and our security in stuff. We talked about this last week. It chokes our soul. Because you are so much more valuable than stuff. And God is so much more secure than stuff. God designed you to live and thrive from your inner being, not because of what you have, but because of who you are. You're a child of the living God. You're so much more valuable than stuff. But when we start to put our hope in stuff, it chokes us and it kills us. And I really believe um, just praying that some of us are under a spirit of fear, that some of us are being choked in the area of finances because of anxiety and fear. And I believe God wants to set some of us free today. Last bad perspective on money is comparison. <clears throat> Do you notice that God didn't give them all the same amount? Yeah. Now, I know that's not politically correct. But again... God seemed comfortable with giving them different amounts because he didn't need to make them feel okay by everyone having the same amount because he knew our identities out of money. Come on. He didn't need to bolster up their, their, their sense of self-worth by having everyone have the same amount of stuff. What he's getting at is a much deeper identity, <clears throat> that, our, that our worth is out in our stuff. Whether we have a lot or a little, we're so important to him. The live comparison is only be as happy as long as I have as much or more than someone else. You know that subtle sinking feeling when someone else succeeds? I, I do, so <laughs> I stink sometimes. That's called envy. When someone else does well and you're like, oh, I feel bad about myself. That's envy. Comparison, Theodore Roosevelt says, comparison is a thief of all joy. Comparison is the opposite of contentment. What comparison does, it not only will rob you of your joy, comparison causes you to ignore doing something with what you already have. How do they feed the 5,000? A boy's lunch. It's not a lot that you need to make a big impact. It's doing something with what you have. 
And at the end of this text, God doesn't hold them accountable for having a lot. He holds them accountable for being faithful with what they had. You're not going to stand before God at the end of your life and him saying, well done, you got a lot of money. He's going to say, well done, you did something with what you had. And we ain't going to care when we get there how much money we had. We're not going to be like, oh, you were a millionaire on earth. (laughs) I want to hang out with you, you know. No, no, we're going to be streets of gold, baby, (laughs) you know. So this is a temporary structure of some people having more than others. And if we'll be faithful, what we'll have will bring them glory. Now, okay, again, God's not gonna hold you accountable for having a lot. He's gonna hold you accountable for being faithful with what you had. Now, I need to keep moving for time's sake. So I've got a few truths that are gonna be helpful for you that we see in scripture. And I'm gonna go through these quickly because next week we have a financial equipping. And we're gonna take these more in depth after church. If you will build your life and your financial life in these truths, it'll be transformative. Number one, hard work. You know, money and hard work go together. God provides the rain, but we gotta sow the seed. Seeds don't rain from heaven, right? In the same way, we're gonna go to work. Proverbs 14, 23, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. The word Labor in Hebrew means pain and hardship. Some of us in our work and career lives, we are pain avoidant. I get it. I don't like pain either. But we need to be accustomed to pain and working jobs we don't want to work so we can be faithful to what we have. Again, I'll say it again because we have a number of young people in our church. You don't want to plateau in your career at 25. You're probably most of your life is you're working jobs you don't want to work so that you can get to where God wants you in your latter years. So we need to develop a healthy work ethic. Number two, giving our first fruits to God. Proverbs chapter 3, 9 and 10, honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. And your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. What a promise. What we tend to do, right, uh, is... Give to God any extra we have left over. But what this is calling us to do is when we get that paycheck, which when I get that, I'm like, oh, I could do a lot with this. What this is calling us to do is give the first portion of our money to the Lord. And what this does, it's not only commanded in scripture, but what this does, it limits our often unhindered appetite, which ends up crushing us. And it reminds us that my paycheck is not my own, but it's the Lord's and the Lord's provision for my life because he loves me and the Lord's provision through me to others. So giving our first fruits keeps our wandering heart in check, brings glory to God and helps us to trust him. Number three, plan your spending. All right. Plan your spending. Proverbs 21, verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who's hasty comes to poverty. <clears throat> now, the first step of this is just knowing where your money goes. Have you ever looked at the iPhone thing where you ask how much time you spent on your apps? That's scary. Like, I've looked at that before and been like, no way I spent that much time on my phone today. 
I do feel a little justified. I'm like, oh, I was texting people for work sometimes. But there's sometimes I'm like, dang, my time went there? <laughs> wow. Same thing with our money. We're often like, dang, I didn't know I ate out that much, right? And what this is calling us to do, the plans, is not only to know what we're spending money, but to tell our money what to do and where to go. We need to become boss of our money, not money boss us around. And when we learn to direct our money, we'll not only find a whole lot more peace, but make a lot more impact. What that actually means sometimes is starting with making a budget. Again, financial equipping. Next Sunday, gonna be life-changing for some of us. Was for us, I I probably still need it. Number four, get out of debt, but keep moving. I've never heard someone say, man, since we took on extra debt to get the extra stuff, my marriage has been way better. <laughs> Why is that? Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The ritual's over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. Again, we took out debt on a house, so there's a place for taking out debt, but it is not like the MasterCard priceless commercials. Anyone remember that? It's like a dad, it's, it's a, maybe it's aging me, right? Some of you are not that old. It'd be like a dad at like the Dodgers game with his boy. And it's like, you know, hot dogs, $50 or 5,000, whatever they are. You know, drinks, $30 or whatever they are. Time with your son at the Dodgers game, priceless. Put it on credit. You know, and I'm like, I'll take him to the backyard and throw a ball around with him, you know? <laughs> before I have to go on bondage for that. Again, there's a time and place for debt. There's a time and place. We need to be wise about that. But it's not the first solution we go to, right? Because what happens when we take out debt is this thing called interest. And it either works for or against you. There's a reason people love to give you credit cards because they're going to make a whole lot of money off you. Those little like ones they get in the mail and they're like the pre-credit, like a fake one. They love giving you that because they want your money. And so what happens is you'll, you'll take out $16,000 for consumer debt, which is average consumer debt, but over 40 years, $16,000 turns into you paying $105,000. So that's how that works. Again, we'll get a class next week. We'll explain more about that. Lastly, trust and obey God. Proverbs chapter three, verse five through six. Lean not on your own, oh, sorry, trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make straight your paths. Bottom line, ultimately, we wanna hear and obey whatever Jesus says to do with our money. We got that wisdom in scripture. We don't need a word from the Lord on our finances all the time, but we do wanna take our finances before the Lord and sometimes he tells us things, right? I know everyone's moving across the country the other direction. God told us to move to California. People are like, why'd you do that? Because we're called. And where God guides, God provides. That doesn't make sense on the budget. It makes sense with the Lord. And so we're going to do that, and people are going to keep scratching their heads at us, okay? Uh, Where God guides, God provides. And California's awesome. (laughs) And God's moving. I'm just saying. California's about to see some revival. I truly believe it. So come on. That is going to take some work, okay? It takes work 
to steward and be wise stewards of our money. I love Lenny Miller said, stewardship is the act of organizing our life so that God can spend you. I love that. Again, good equipping class next week. It takes a little work to, to be good stewards. And lastly, we have an incredible opportunity to be people who bring him glory and have eternal reward. At the end of their life, you know, the world says, Andrew Murray says, what does a man own? But God says, how does he use it? The end of our life will stand before Jesus. And I know none of us will be perfect at how we spend our money, but we have an incredible opportunity to give him incredible glory. And I wanna say every place you've imperfectly honored God with your stuff and every sacrifice you've made, God sees it. Whether it's you giving glory for your pancake or whether it's you giving generously to someone in need, God sees it. And at the end of my life, success in our marriage and family is not ending our life with the biggest budget. It's standing before Jesus with my wife and kids and us looking at each other and thinking of all the crazy sacrifices we made and times we trusted God with our money and say, that was worth it. That was worth it. <laughs> when we served this person with our money or we stopped and gave thanks to recognize that all we had was God and we stopped and thanked him or when we, when we opened up our home and allowed it to get messier and more than we wanted to and shared our toys with people and it was uncomfortable and messy, that was worth it because it's for the glory of God and life is short. As we respond, um, I know that this is challenging. For me, I was on my knees a lot this week with my stuff again. And I know I have certain things that I, I wanna like, this is the Lord's and like, this is mine. Thank you, Jesus, right? And, and, what I've found after some years of doing this is the more I trust God, the more free I am. And he always provides. It might be different than we thought, but the more we trust God, the more he provides. And so I believe today is a day of freedom. Some of us, like I said, we're under literally a spirit of fear, I believe, that's trying to eat our lunch and choke us. For some of you, coming before the Lord and saying, God, I want to trust you. Help me to trust you because I struggle with this. Is the beginning of a freedom process where you're going to find life and purpose in your soul and in your finances again. Some of you today, you trust the Lord, but you haven't been wise. That's me at times too sometimes. Some of us, we just need to repent, not for not trusting God, but for just doing it in our own wisdom. Some of us need to, to take up God's wisdom again. And so as we respond, we're gonna have prayer teams here. Maybe some of us, we just need to get on our knees here before the Lord. But we're gonna take a song or so and just get before God. And so I'm just gonna start by praying for us. Just as we respond, I invite you to ask the Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Ask Jesus, what, what are you saying to me? <laughs>